Marcus, how you doing? Good. How's it going, guys? Excellent. Thanks. Uh, everybody, welcome. This is uh, episode 113 of Tech Sales Insights. Uh, definitely looking forward to have Travis uh, Ashby, who is the uh, CEO and founder of WorkLife, a very cool company taking care of the uh, all-important mental health and uh, some other issues to uh, keep everybody happy, side, and um, yeah, especially come out of this post-COVID post uh, COVID time. Uh, his topic is how to intrinsically motivate your team. Very appropriate, of course. Uh, we're sponsored today by uh, DecisionLink, who's a value-selling platform company of uh, sales community. Uh, if you think through the importance of kind of value selling, that you can have a whole bunch of technical mumbo jumbo, but ultimately it's, if you're going to say, if you're going to talk to the CFO in an elevator about either them being a customer or why they should buy from you, you're not going to talk about speeds and fees. You're going to talk about what it's going to do to impact the revenue, what it's going to do to help them save money. In the case of work life, you know, likely if you're able to uh, improve retention, improve productivity, improve happiness, and that improves, which we'll talk about a little bit probably, you know, you can improve somebody's productivity by 10%. You know, what, what, what is that worth for you? And then uh, always brought to you by Sales Community. For those that are members, thank you very much. For those that are not, uh, Tucker, who's uh, behind the scenes here, always helping. Thank you, Tucker. Uh, can post, we've got a free link. Um, you can go to salescommunity.com and you'll see uh, upper left-hand corner, it says uh, winter free. Uh, so you can click on that or the paid link. I recommend you do the uh, free link. So uh, Tucker, thank you for posting that. So uh, moving on here with uh, Ashby, who lives in uh, Salt Lake City, great spot. And uh, besides work, is uh, very passionate about his family, has three boys, uh, eight, 12, and 15, likes sports, likes strategy. So uh, let's jump into the questions here. Uh, so your first job was actually in sales for Coke, right? Yeah, first first job, uh, I guess, kind of real job was uh, yeah at Coke when I was uh, my uh, when I was twenty, twenty one. Yeah, wanted oh, to get into awesome. sales, and um, they said, "All right, well, to get into sales here, you got to drive first. And so I had to get a CDL license and drive the big trucks around, and then uh, work my way into sales over there. No way. Any uh, any fond memories? Uh... Anything in sales there? I've, I've never yeah. done that. Type yeah, of I mean, it was sales. fun. It was it was relationship sales, right? I mean, you're you're trying to get the store manager to like you better than they like the the Pepsi guy, and then uh, you know get you know display space and drive impulse purchases, and market share, and all that stuff. So it's a different type of job for sure, um, but uh, really, really, really fun job. And um, I really realized quickly that the way to get success in that type of job is just to uh, you know just people like doing business with people they like. You know, and, and to be able to just over service and, you know, create friendships and, and, and that's that's how you won. So uh, but anyways, I was there for a little bit and then uh, I was recruited by the dark side eventually. So yeah, job in my store and Pepsi came over and offered me double my salary. And, and uh, so I jumped over there. And so I'm a big Pepsi guy now. All Pepsi wow. all the time. So. Awesome. And then maybe uh, kind of quickly go through your uh, career from there. Yeah. Yeah. So Pepsi, I was there for a little bit, um, almost five years and uh, kind of had an interesting story on how I ended up leaving um, that job. But I ended I, I eventually just graduated with a, a business and marketing degree and wanted to get into marketing sales and want to do more hardcore selling, you know, or getting people to sign contracts and 
and go out and uh, make some real commissions. And so I switched over to superpages.com. So in the early 2000s, when we actually had phone books still, uh, that's, you know, uh, a different kind of world now. I, but, I remember uh, those days. <laughs> yeah. So Verizon had a phone book and they had this online yellow page directory called superpages.com. And that's what I started selling. And this was before Google AdWords was even a thing. So that was, that was, wow. so that was fun. Um, but great. I was there, uh, kind of Salt Lake. Um, we had like 30 reps and, um, ended up doing that for, for a few years, which was great. I doubled my salary again and made six figures for the first time and was kind of a top rep over there. And, um, you know, did the presence club trips and all those things. And, and then, uh, eventually, um, left there to start my own business in 2007. So that was kind of a fun story. Well, so let's uh, let's hear the story because you're going from a basically a rep to a entrepreneur or founder. Yeah, it was a really interesting story. I, I had never had any plans to be an entrepreneur. That wasn't anything that I had thought about or, or had ambitions to do. But uh, one day, gosh, it probably was. Let's see. When would that have been? That would have been in 2007. The economy was turning. You know, these small businesses were shaving back all their marketing because they couldn't afford to do everything anymore. And so I remember walking into an appointment one day, it was with a heating and air company. And I walked in and fully expecting that this guy was going to say, Hey, we're cutting super pages. Sorry. You know, things are tight. That's kind of what was going on. Uh, but I knew he had just met with my competitor, um, another online Yale page directory. Uh, it's called Dex Nose, And I thought for sure that they were going to stick with them because they were a better product than we were. Like they just were a better mm -hmm. online directory. And so I walk in and the guy's like, Hey, you know, things are tough, but I decided I'm going to just do two, you know, you know, kind of work with two companies. I'm going to work with you guys. I'm going to work with money mailer. And I was like, well, how did you come up with that decision? And he's like, I hate working with that other guy. That guy's an idiot. I'm like, wait, so you're going to work with me because you just don't like work with that other guy. And he's like, well, yeah, I just, you know, know that I just trust that you're not going to sell me something that's not going to work for me. And it was right then that I realized I cannot sell something. I don't believe in like, this is not going to work for this guy and he could go out of business. <clears throat> so I went back to the office. I found the other top sales guy, a guy named Scott Linford, and was like, dude, we need to go start our own business. He's like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, I have no idea. Let's figure it out. So we jumped on our computers. We're looking up all these different ideas from franchises to whatever. And uh, anyways, the next day he comes in and he's like, I know what we're going to do. I'm like, well, what is it? He's like, we're going to be third party call tracking providers. I found this company that will, and at the time call recording was a kind of a new thing. He's like, but yeah. they'll record the calls. We can put unique phone numbers in all of their advertisements. On the, on, online, we can put this dynamic number insertion. So if someone looked up a certain keyword on Google and like Utah plumbers, and they obviously didn't know who they're going to go with. And they land on yeah. this guy's website. We know that we drove that to them. And then we can listen to the call, determine ROI. And so what we ended up doing is was we, we ended up kind of just, you know, working on that on the side. Um, and uh, what was great is that we could go to business owners and say, hey, you have no idea what's working. You're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and, and, and hoping that you're making the right decisions. But what we're going to do is be a third party. We're going to put tracking numbers in all your, with all your advertising companies, and we're going to hold the power. We're going to be able to be able to tell you what's working, what's not, you know, get rid of the stuff that isn't, do more of the stuff that is, and know the difference between it all. And so that's kind of how our, our startups kind of emerged. And so we built that for about eight years and then ended up selling that company in 2015. But wow. we, in our first, in our, you know, I remember going back and talking to my wife and, and just saying, Hey, me and Scott are going to start our own business. And here, here the economy was taking. We just bought our first house, had our first kid. And now I'm going to leave a six-figure job to go start my own business. She thought we were nuts. But we ended up making six figures every year 
uh, bootstrapped it 50% each and, uh, and crushed it because we were selling something that mattered that actually helped people. So anyway. Wow. That's great. And then uh, what, what about after that? Yeah. So, you know, I was selling that, you know, or we were doing that company. Uh, we were able to incubate a few other companies outside of that one. And, and that kind of just cash flowed some other ideas. And, you know, for me, I was just kind of on a journey to, um, you know, towards the end, I just wasn't passionate about it anymore. Like I remember waking up one day and, you know, here we have these companies that we eventually evolved into an agency. And so we found that the best ROI was internet marketing done, you know, properly. And so, we were like managing Google AdWords accounts for companies when it was kind of a newer thing. And um, so we evolved into an agency and a digital marketing agency as well. And, uh, you know, I just remember that, you know, one day, you know, I had a customer come to me and they'd been paying us for SEO, you know, for those that don't know, that's search engine optimization, you know, and, and that is like, you know, based on Google algorithms and things like that. But anyways, I, these people were paying us all this money and all of a sudden Google would change their algorithm and these customers come to me and say, what happened to my rankings? I'm like, Google changed their algorithm. We got to start over. And so I hated selling something. Like if, if I ever feel like I couldn't sell something to like someone I knew, a friend or even a relative, then I knew I needed to move on. And, and I started just to realize, gosh, I have no control over what Google does. Like I, I just got disenfranchised with it and I and, uh, decided that I needed to move on. And so fortunately we had a couple of guys in the company that we'd put in charge and, and Scott and I were able to sell it and, and kind of walk away and do something else. And so um, ha happy to move on to the next part of that story if you want, unless you have any questions. That's right. We'll keep moving. So we'll maybe go to uh, work life. So I actually got from uh, Paul Irving, who's uh, one of the partners at GTM fund that invested. I also full disclosure in, in invested. Uh, and, and he says, uh, he is a pioneer of rethinking sales team motivation and culture and truly understands what drives teams to take their performance to the next level. So thanks for that, Paul. So nice, uh, nice intro there. Maybe uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, work life. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a fun story. I remember, I remember reading Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. And I'm like, what, what the hell is my why? I, what, what is my purpose? Like, what am I trying to accomplish? So it really bothered me that I didn't know what that was. And so I went on a journey to figure that out. Unfortunately, with the sale of the company, I was able to, you know, buy a few years to try to figure out what I, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And um, I spent two of the most frustrating years of my life trying to figure it out. And, and for me, I really wanted to, you know, kind of be impact focused. I wanted to solve a problem that I cared about that mattered in the world. And I didn't know exactly what that was going to be. And so, you know, after two years of just blowing through savings and my wife being like, dude, you just got to go get a job. Like, what are you doing? Um, you know, I ended up going to lunch with a founder friend of mine, <clears throat> kind of in desperation. Like I knew this guy, you know, was, you know, he was just um, a friend and, and I felt like he could help me. And so I remember just sitting at lunch with this guy and just being like, dude, I got to get inspiration somehow. I'm struggling over here. Um, and he's like, well, how do you get inspiration? What are, what are times in your life when you've been the most inspired? What brought that on? You know, and so I started telling him stories. And one of the stories I shared with him is what unlocked everything I'm doing now. And I was telling him about when I was 12 years old, my parents had just got divorced. It was total shock. We didn't see it coming. I moved in with my mom. She had left my dad for this guy that was a pilot and they were flying to Colorado for a singing competition. Um, and their plane crashed in the mountains of Colorado over by Aspen. And I remember like, um, you know, after she died in this plane accident, I had this dream about her and it was a very vivid dream. 
I, I kept a journal at the time, so I have it all written out. But I remember climbing over this boulder and seeing this plain fuselage spread across this meadow at the top of this mountain and seeing my mom and talking to her on this mountainside. Anyways, it was this really inspirational kind of like dream that really helped me out. And I was telling him about it. And I kind of just said in passing in this conversation, you know what? I've always wanted to go to that place. Like, I feel like I would know it if I saw it. And he stopped me and was like, dude, it's been 27 years. Like, call your sisters before you leave lunch and plan that trip. Like, this is the perfect time to go get inspiration for, you know, that's what you're trying to do. And so I called my sisters up and we planned this trip. And um, six months later, you know, a day before we were going to leave, we we're getting ready to leave. And uh, I remembered all of a sudden that after my mom died, she had given, like, I got this picture frame from my grandma and it had a bunch of money that was spread out inside this picture frame and my mom's driver's license. It was just stuff from her wallet. And my grandma had just given this to me and I'd held on to it. I could never bring myself to spend the money. I mean, as a 12 year old, 200 bucks is a lot of money, but I just considered it sacred money. <clears throat> so I held on to it for all these years. Well, all of a sudden I had this idea. I remembered the money and I told my sisters, Hey, did you guys know that I've, I've had this money from mom's wallet for all these years? Why don't we have her pay for our dinner tonight? Like, why don't we have mom pay for like, our, part of our river rafting experience? Yeah. And so the hardest thing I've ever done is open up that picture frame and take that money out and spend it. And I remember giving it to the 16 year old, you know, <laughs> it's just like, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But for two days, I was in total flow thinking about this idea of sacred money. And, and thinking about like, what would other people do with sacred money? Like if I asked someone, well, if you had sacred money, what would you spend it on? Mm -hmm. And you can imagine, you know, maybe start thinking about some of the things people would, would answer with. Right. But, but what it was, was, you know, things that, in, that they thought intentionally about things that would bring them happiness and things that mattered, things that had meaning. It could have been a trip like the one I took, but it could also be, you know, things that are preventing people from doing their best work and living their best life, like addiction or mental health or the loss of a loved one or nasty divorce. There's any number of reasons why people are struggling at their job and companies don't do a good job at all about being able to be there to support and help people, you know, maybe understand and, and overcome those things. Uh, HR is not really built to support people to do that, you know? And so, so I kind of yeah, feel like we've created something. Yeah. Yes, where so we can help that people was was the moment to say, okay, hey, if we can do this for companies, especially focused on sales teams, is that the idea? Yeah, so that's the whole thing is like I was, um, you know, after I had the idea for kind of work life, I'm like, let's help people set aside sacred money, surface what matters, and then let's find, you know, ways to really, really like intrinsically motivate them. And of course, my natural th thoughts brought me to sales. And I thought, gosh, you know, gift cards and cash and swag and stuff. Is that really like, does that really matter to people? Like, is that really still the thing we're doing to motivate sales? Are we still doing these crappy president's club trips to Cancun? Like who wants to hang out with their coworkers in their swimming suits? And you does your plus one really want to do that? And it's like, why are we still doing this? You know, are people going to be more motivated to go do that or go on this New Zealand trip they want to do for their entire life? You know? So I just yeah. started kind of thinking about like, well, how, how do we like deconstruct these crappy incentives? Like president's club, for example, it's like three months into an annual incentive. You already know who's going to win. And so it demotivates 80% of the team because it's the people that have a book of business that have been around for a long time. And so it's just like, these are, you know, and only 10% of the reps even have a chance of winning it. I'm like, why can't hundred percent of the reps win it? And why it just, anyway, I just start thinking about all these things. So I, that's kind of where my mind went. And, uh, and so I knew that I had never launched a tech company before. So the first thing I did when I came home from that trip was 
tracked down some of my founder friends that had sold tech companies. And one of the first people I spoke with was Jaron Paul. He had sold a company called CapShare. Um, he's an he's a entrepreneur I really respect. And um, he, I was telling him about my idea and he's like, well, dude, I'm launching this idea called Spiff. Like, why don't you come help us and join our, you know, join our early team? And so that's kind of what led me uh, over to Spiff and they're doing amazing commission automation. So no more spreadsheets. So definitely check out Spiff. Um, and then uh, after I learned a lot at Spiff and talked to a lot of sales leaders about incentives and personalizing them and, and, and commissions and stuff. Then I, I wanted to, I took one more stop at a company called Blueboard. I wanted to find a company that had, that was very innovative in the recognition and HR tech space. Cause that was going to be part of what we were going to do. So I found a company called Blueboard and I ended up meeting my, my third co-founder uh, for work life there and spent some good time there and, and just kind of helped them. They were selling like experiential rewards. So instead of like gift cards and sweat, you could like, you know, arm your people with experiences of their choice from their curated menu anyways. And they're selling mostly into HR teams. And so I thought, well, why, why don't you guys sell into sales teams? They're always doing spiffs. They're always having to come up with the next idea for a spiff. Like, why don't we like, you know, launch this an experiential spiff program. So I helped productize or help them think about productizing that a little bit further. So oh, that was great. the journey. And then I left to do work life. So that, that's the whole career journey. <laughs>